to another episode of Real Estate Renovators, the show designed to help real estate agents navigate through the proverbial shitstorm. And also looking from the weather outside today, maybe just a weather storm as well. What no, do you reckon, Rexy? It's Rexy? horrible. But it's Melbourne. It's, it's going to change in five minutes. Yeah, it's not a vibe. I'm going to say it's definitely not a vibe at the moment. But yeah, hopefully it'll change. Without further ado, I would like to introduce my fellow co-host, Rexy. How are you? Chanel. Good, Rexy, how are you? Still in a bit of pain. Still in a bit of pain yeah. from last week's episode? From my neck sore for some reason. Oh, yeah. really? Why? Uh, I think a co-host like strangled me. I think I did put you in a headlock. I've been wanting to do it for months. And Why? I was I'm waiting. not even nice. I just sometimes I just have this urge to just punch you in the face. Uh, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Someone I don't want to punch in the face, but he is up in the sky. Pistol Pete, how are you, Pete? Chanel, thank you. Um, and you guys so need to move to Brisbane. We've got sunny blue skies here today. Oh, uh, well, I tried to say I want to come fly up. You said, no, you want to fly down before we fly up. Yeah, well, I, I need to come to Melbourne. You do. You do. You do. Pete, do you ever feel like you want to just punch Rex in the face? Oh. No. <laughs> I can't say that I do, Chanel, but, you know, like, you know, I'm not right next to him. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> Thanks, Pete, I think. <laughs> <laughs> bit hard through Zoom. Through <laughs> Zoom, good. Thanks, Pete. Let's start the show. Today, we're honoured to have our guest, Rob Grenevelde, with us today. Thanks, um, Rob, unlike other traditional agents or in this space, has been with the same agency for 16 years and has developed his career with the same agency to the level that you're a partner now in the same agency. Yeah, as of December 22nd. Yeah. As of December, wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank um, you. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So... Yeah, really excited to be here. Let's talk about your journey. How did it all start? Yeah, it's um, it's been a it's been a really wonderful journey. Um, I, I suppose that you you've got to kind of go back to my childhood. So when I was a kid, I thought I always had a bit of a salesperson kind of mentality. Um, How so? Well, I remember you know one story that comes to mind. I was probably fourteen years old. My dad was a psych nurse, worked nights. So he comes home Saturday morning, eight o'clock, and this is back in the day when we had the trading post. He said, Rob, the formal dining room, we've got that on, uh, the, there's like a, a coffee table. He goes, I put it on uh, the trading post. I've got a guy coming to pick it up at 9.30 this morning. I've got to go to bed because I'm working tonight. Can you just show him the table and, and sell it to him? I've already organized $150. I said, yeah, yeah no problem, Dad, no problem. So the guy this was knocks, at 14. This is at 14. So, you know, I'm just sitting there watching TV and a uh, guy knocks on the door. I said, oh, g'day, Chris, how are you? He goes, oh, no, I'm Matt. I said, I just spoke to a Chris. He said he was going to come and pick this up for $250. Ah! He said, I've negotiated this with your dad for $150. I said, I'm sorry, mate. He goes, oh, I'm here now. Damn it. I'll, I'll take it for $250. And he said, that mattress that's on the uh, nature strip, what are you doing with that? I said, oh, it's for sale for $50. He goes, oh, I'll take that too. So <laughs> <laughs> dad wakes up and, you know, he's, and I said, dad, here's $300. And he said, well, I only sold it for 150 He said, oh, I sold it for 250 and I got 50 for the mattress out the front. He goes, oh, beautiful. So he gave me the 150 and Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, so I just always kind of enjoyed the hustle and, and, and enjoyed selling. It was just... Yeah, Rob, so. I was expecting you to say you had a lemonade stand at the front of your house, but you're a full-on bloody con man. No. <laughs> I used to do all kinds of things, knock on people's doors and wash cars, and um, I used to sell sherbet sticks at school. I used to go to the milk bar, buy three for fifty, three for fifty cents, and then sell them for fifty cents each. So it was a dollar profit on each three that I bought. So. Yeah. Like I don't know. You, it just, you... I just kind of always enjoyed it. And it, it's never really been about the money. It's just been about the excitement of, of, of the selling. And, the, and I really enjoy the process. So, yeah, that's... that's and how has that converted to your career now? 
Well, I, uh, I, let's go back to the start. Well, back to the start, how I got into real estate is um, being a, uh, a, a traditional Donny boy. Um, yeah. I was, it was, a, again, a Saturday afternoon. I was 16 years old and uh, walking to the bus stop. So I lived in the Millgate Estate. Shopping town? Yeah, so I'm walking up Canopus Drive and um, I see this E36 BMW, heritage green, tan leather, M Sport wheels. Good and memory this gentleman gets out of it in a dark grey suit and he does one of the most amazing auctions I've ever seen in my life. And his name is Peter Kakos. And uh, after the auction, I walked up to him. I said, Peter, I said, how do I get into real estate? He said, well, take the earring out, take the color out of your hair, go grab a suit, and why don't you do some work experience? So I sold my Sony Discman and uh, <laughs> my Shogun mountain bike on and the trading post. <laughs> um, <laughs> back then, the trading post every Thursday, $1.80, it was the best money you could spend. And uh, I sold that, went to Shopping Town, and I think for $2.99, I went to Casual Guy or one of those and bought a suit, shirt, um, tie, and I used my school shoes. And I sat in Phil's office when I was 16, and he said, what do you want to do? I said, I, I, I think I want to get into real estate. And he said, can I do some work experience for you? So I, uh, every Saturday when I was 16, I did work experience at Philip Webb and put the boards out and, and followed the cadets and, and got a really good feel for the industry. And I just wow. fell in love with it. So that's kind of how I got into it. That's a cool story. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's, and uh, now you're a partner at Philip Webb. Yes, yes. So uh, I, uh, I finished my school, um, got a job at one of my competitors. Um, and then after two years, um, started back up at, at Philip Webb. So I was 20. And um, I was really fortunate to um, get some property management experience because I think when you're you very- You started at property management. I actually started as a sales cadet. Yep. So I used to clean the back car park, uh, make coffees for people, wash people's cars, um, do all the kind of small cadet kind of jobs, put the pointer boards out and then- And I you never complained doing this? No, 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 because you've, you've, got, you've got to start somewhere. And you know, I was working with some of the best agents in the eastern suburbs and just... And most of them have their own agencies. Yeah, them. And, and just learning. And uh, then I did property management, which was really good grounding to, to learn the industry um, and mature. And then a gentleman called Aaron Chua when I was 21 and a half. He's a great guy, Aaron. Yeah, he's, so... Um, he's back at Philip Webb. He's now. back at Philip Webb. And um, Aaron needed a PA and I worked for Aaron. And... Uh, we, I worked with him for 12 months and it was one of the best 12 months. We, I had lunch with him during the week and we were laughing about 2007. Um, buoyant market, we did 53 sales, um, eating McDonald's at 9.30 in the office, um, going through the highs and lows of winning and losing business and auctions and yeah, it was really fun. So I, I got to learn off Aaron and to this day, I still think he's one of the best agents I've ever had the pleasure of working alongside. So he's a real gentleman and a great operator. Mm. So, oh, yeah. With the journey of, of, of 16 years, Rob, you've obviously gone through a lot of ups and downs in the yeah. industry and you've managed to not only with, with stay the industry, but stay with one agency for such a long period of time. How? Yeah, I, I think I was very fortunate in the sense that I got to go to a family owned business um, that had amazing leadership. Um, you know, the CEO at the moment is Anthony Webb, who is not only now what I would consider one of my best friends, my business partner, but he's just a real gentleman mm. and he's a fantastic CEO. Um, but back when I started, I had Phil and really good management and I surrounded myself through really good people. And I'd never really felt a need of leaving Philip Webb because I always had the systems, the resources and the support that I could ask for. So there was no real reason. There was always temptation, you know, open up a franchise, 
you know, go work with a competitor, you know, dangled, you know, certain things. But you would have been headhunted by. Yeah, a few times. Everyone. And I think over the journey, Rex, mm. we had many a discussion. I, th I still remember sitting in your office when you were based in Doncaster and um, just kind of nutting out my plan and my future. And you gave me some really solid advice. Um, but I, I think a few years back, I could see that there was probably an opening for people to, to buy into the business. And Phil said to me and Anthony a couple of years back, he said, look, you know, hang in there. We've got plans. Um, it's not going to happen overnight, but we're, we're looking at kind of, you know, opening up that partnership. And uh, December 22nd last year, I went to Phil's house with my uh, wife and my son and we signed all the contracts and we had a lovely dinner and yeah, I, uh, I I feel like part of the family at Philip Webb. It's it's mm. fantastic. I'm very fortunate to part work of with great for 16 years. Yes, yeah, and um, you know it's funny because every morning I walk into the office and I talk to everyone, and you know the first thing I ask is, "Did you watch Married at First Sight? Yeah. You know, what did you have for dinner?" We always have a laugh, <laughs> um, and yeah, it's a really good team environment. I, I you know, they, they feel like brothers and sisters to me because I've been there so long and yeah. work with them and they do become like family. So. Someone else who's part of the furniture here, Rob, literally he is the laptop, has a question. Yeah. Pete, take it to you. Rob, through what you've just spoken about, you, you've actually spoken a lot about you having actually some sort of direction in terms of what your career is going to be in the future. But it sounds like you've also had people there that have actually given you some guidance? Like, is it a combination of leadership and actually having your own drive of where you're going in your career? Yeah, look, real estate's one of those jobs that you get left to your own um, device. So like, if, if, if you are naturally someone that's, um, you, you can hide very well in real estate. Mm. So, you, you know, no one's gonna ask you where you are. No one's gonna ask you how long your lunch break was. Um, real estate's a very flexible job. I can get a haircut anytime I want. You know, I can, I can eat lunch at two o'clock or 11 a.m. No one, there's no set lunch break. Like, I always laugh because my wife, you know, she gets morning tea at 11 and they have lunch at one o'clock and, you know, my days are just... <laughs> so you can, if, if, unless you're very self-motivated and very driven, you can hide a lot in real estate. So um, we're not a childcare centre. Um, you, you go there and, you know, what you put in is what you get out. So I was very lucky that I was kind of very driven myself. Um, and I surrounded myself through some really, really good people, not only at Philip Webb, but externally. So one thing that I did very, very early in my career is um, I said, I thought to myself, well, this is when I was, so going back, I was a PA at, at, in 2007 and I was working for Aaron Shua. And um, this is a bit hard, but my mum got breast cancer. And I remember I had bought a property and all my money was tied up in this in this unit and my parents got divorced the same year and we were renting this house in Devon Drive in Doncaster East and my mum was going through chemo and I could just see we had no ducted heating it just had a wall unit and I could see her breath and I remember thinking to myself I never want my mum to be cold again mm. um, so and that was uh, September 2007 so I thought to myself, well, I want to go on my own. I, I, I want to become my own agent. I want to step up. But no one had really stepped up at 22 at the time to be an agent on their own. So I said to myself, well, I want to surround myself with some of the best people. And I think the best training you can do in any industry, whether in your recruitment, um, in the building industry, any industry, is search the people that you want to be like, that you admire, 
And the, the best, I've been to many seminars and paid thousands of dollars for training. The best training I've ever had has cost me a coffee. Mm. So I wrote a list and I caught up with Glenn Cortino, James Tostevin, Scott Patterson. And um, I was very fortunate at the time, I had some really good senior agents in my office as well. But I took those three out and I remember sitting with Glenn Cortino and I said, Glenn, I want to go on my own. Um, I'm driven. I, you know, I, I've, I've really got to make this work. So you, you initiated this contact with... Yeah, I ran Glenn Cortina. And they're from different... They're not like competitors. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're um, inner city. And I, I said, Glenn, I'm But they're young. not in your office. They're different no. brands yeah. completely. And he said, well, shout me a coffee. I said, no, not a problem at all. And um, so I sat there and I said, Glenn, I really admire what you do. Can I ask you, how did you become so successful? And he said, Rob, I just sold a shitload of real estate. That's it. Mm. So I think we complicate the industry a lot with... It's just hustle, grind, and work hard. That's it. Can I tell a quick story about Glenn Catino? Yeah. I um, I and this is what I think makes him so spectacular. Yeah. I doubt he even remembers me, but I definitely remember him. Actually, <laughs> he follows me on Instagram, which is I think is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm sidetracking here. I spoke to Glenn, I think once over the phone, I called him to bring him on as a client or offered him recruitment. Mm. We had a chat, he was absolutely lovely. That was it, got off the phone, sent him an email. My email has my office address at the bottom of mm. it. You know, thanks for chatting, if you ever need anything, here's our terms of business, et cetera, et cetera. A week later, I get um, a package from Glenn Cotino and it's, hey, it was great talking to you over the phone. This is the album of my son. This is my son's new yeah. album. So his son is trying to become a, or is a successful music artist. Yeah, I think LA. the son's like 14 or something. Mm. And I thought, what a, what a marketer. Like, you know, yeah. I, I'll never forget him now. Mm. I'll never forget that story. If anyone ever brings up his name, I'll know him. I've now got a 14 year old boy's CD in my office, in, sitting in my desk. And I think- Have you listened to it? I mean, <laughs> yes, but Good that's answer. what makes him spe so spectacular. He will say yes. His marketing is, is absolutely insane. So I'm sure mm. if he sent that to me, he would have sent that to any, every single person on his database. So everyone's got his son's music. It's just, it was crazy. It was just mm. like, you can see how he is the way that he is. And he's just this incredible person and like a marketing machine. But even for him to get a call from a 22 year old yeah. agent from a competing office and take the time. Yeah. And, and look, I, I probably, you know, I was young and, and I've done a lot of um, work with Tom Panos and um, I'm one of his uh, mentors for his program. So I get young agents from all around Australia ring me. And one thing that I really enjoy now is watching the younger generation really succeed. So I, especially if the agents are Melbourne based, I always make an effort to, to, to sit down and have a coffee with them as well, because I know what it was like when I was young mm. and you just want to learn and you just want someone to talk to. And so I always try to make time. So yeah. there's a coffee shop across the road from my office and that's where we go. And yeah, I'll catch up with a, with a young agent. So love Quick it. question, Rob. Pete's, oh, sorry. Pete. Sorry, go Pete. Hey Rob, um, we have a lot of leaders watch this uh, program and, and a lot of them actually talk to us about the churn of salespeople in real estate. If there was three things that you would tell a leader on how to foster new talent within their organisation, what would those three things be that they should do with all their new talent? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. So three things that um, we do, and I think all leaders should do, especially with young talent, is um, I think agents need to cuddle every so often. I think you need, you know, real estate to really- physically up cuddle them? Yeah, <laughs> real estate's an up and down kind of uh, job. So 
I think a good leader will will call you like um, our sales managers will you know I, I had a bad day the you know a couple of weeks ago my sales manager rang me at 9:30 and said look Rob I know you have had a bit of a bad day I just wanted to check up on you and I thought that was really good so a good leader shows that they care um, they they go in and bat for you they go through the ups and downs with you so that's one thing I think a leader should do is just really be there for their team second thing a leader should do is constantly be um, training their team. So that's something that we really do well at Philip Webb. Um, I do training with our team every Wednesday morning. So um, we do scripts and dialogues, we talk about processes, we talk about what's working, um, we learn from the team. So, you know, one of the sales guys will say, this is working for me, and we learn from that. So I think another thing a good leader does is, is constantly be training their staff. Um, and I think the third thing a leader should be um, should do is, is, is be seen and lead by example. Mm. Um, you know, our leaders, in our organisation, they're in there early, they're the last to leave, um, they're at the forefront of the business. Um, so I think if, if, if the staff can see you doing all the right things, I think it'll follow and that's how you build a, a winning and successful culture because it starts at the top, mm. you know. Anthony Webb gets in at 7.30 most mornings. I try to beat him, I can't. <laughs> so the younger guys in the office go, well, wow, if, if the CEO of the business is getting in there that early, then, then I need to get in early and hustle. Mm. You know, if he's up there late, um, then I need to stay back and, and do the right things. So I think that's important. Mm, absolutely. Really important. You mentioned, Rob, you catch up with young agents for a coffee. Yeah. I don't know about you, I can tell within about 30 seconds of meeting with someone when I'm interviewing someone for a sales role if they're going to be successful in real estate. Yeah. Do you feel that you can sort of tell straight away if someone has the right characteristics to be a successful real estate agent and what are those characteristics you look for? I definitely agree with that. So. Um, within the first 30 or 60 seconds, you know. It, the, the first thing I know is if they sit down with me and they don't have a notebook or a notepad, mm. I know they're not serious. Mm, mm. Um, it, it's probably a bit of a gripe for me. I, you know, I've been doing this 18 years. I'll write more notes than anyone else when I go to a training seminar. And someone wants to sit down with me for 30, 60 minutes and ask me questions and not write anything down, then I kind of know they're probably not serious. Mm. I think... The younger generation coming through think that real estate is kind of fancy cars. Thank you. Suits. This is yeah. what I deal with all yeah. day, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 nothing like that. So no. I get a lot of kind but of young people. Hearing what you said earlier about cleaning cars, cleaning car parks. I, like, I did all that stuff. I, mm. I you know we we've get um, I interviewed um, a young guy and he, he said, oh, so how many, how many holidays do we get? Away? You know, oh, what time do we finish? Like, I get asked that question. What's the start time? What's the end? What, yeah. what time do you start? What time so, do you finish? I think, how do you, why are you even asking no, Real that? estate's just not mm. one of those jobs. No. Um, real estate is, is not about these fancy videos and Instagram pictures and all that. I'm a very vanilla agent. I think I was talking off camera about this before, Rex. I'm about the client. I'm not about, it's not me, me, me. It's about what we can do for the client. So it's not about um, the awards that we've won. It's not about our market share. It's about what we can do for the client. It's about the client's journey. So we at Philip Webb are very based on how we, we sit down with the client and we ask them a whole, you know, a, a whole stack of questions. So our listing presentation is very question-based. What's important to you? What drew you to the property? When are you looking at coming on the market? What are you looking for in an agent? Um, what's important to you in the sale of your home besides the highest price? Um, so I think that is really, really important um, as well. So a lot of young people coming through the industry, I think they don't understand the mechanics behind what we do. Mm -mm. It's, um, it's funny, I, I had a friend of mine ask me, so how many homes do you get a month to sell? 
I said, no, 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 we've got to go chase business. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get given homes yeah. to sell. So it's it's a lot of prospecting, it's a lot of hard work. So. It's interesting because when I, I meet with young agents, I, I always ask the same question. Mm. Talk me through what you think a day in the life of an agent will look like. Yeah. Oh, you know, people will come into the office and they'll want to sell their house. And I'm like, oh, is that what, you know, they yeah. actually, people don't realize that you have to go out and you have to bring on business. And 100%. I think that's one of personally my biggest frustrations with the industry and particularly mm. when they're going through the agents rep, they're not actually told what an agent does and a day like what day-to-day -day life looks like and 100%. that you're door knocking you're cold calling you are letterbox dropping it is hard mm. hard work do you see do you, do you yeah. why a, do you an agent's rep doesn't make you a real estate agent no but why don't and you think if i can make a suggestion to other agents that are maybe thinking about getting into the industry do your agent's rep and then become a pa mm. i don't care if you're 20 or 50 and getting into the industry I agree. you need at least 12 months worth of experience because you're setting yourself up to fail mm. Mm. Um, I was a PA for 12 months, I was a cadet, I was a property manager, I learned all facets of the business and then went on my own. Um, I think that if you are looking at getting in the industry, work along someone that is a, um, a, a good performer, someone that you're going to get training from, learn the industry um, and then go on your own. Mm. And um, I see this a lot with a lot of really eager people that get into the industry. You know, they door knock, they, they telemarket, they do all that stuff. They get into a house with someone that's selling and then they lose the business because mm. they're not game ready. Mm. Mm. They don't know what the process is. They don't know how to sell a home. Correct. They know how to, to get into someone's lounge room that might be thinking about selling, but then they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So experience is, is and learning of someone is really important. Yeah. Pete? Um, guys, this is a question for both Chanel and Rob. Like, you guys talk about, you know, new people coming to the industry, and it seems that there's like a real focus around them being young. Um, one of the things that strikes me is one of the things that Rob is exceptional about is communication. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, as an industry, you know, particularly with COVID, why aren't we focusing our efforts around people that actually have a higher emotional intelligence that might actually go with an older candidate like what are you what's your feeling around targeting an older person entering into the into the industry do you want to answer that first or um i can yeah, well, look i it's it's something that a lot of clients have asked me recently can we take someone particularly from the airline industry air hostesses people from hospitality because they've got this fantastic customer service and and really good experience Problem is the industry doesn't pay well, particularly when you're an entry level agent. So you're looking at $45,000 retainer. Um, if you're a PA, it might be on 40, 43,000 base, small com. Um, it's also six, seven days a week of work. Mm. So you're not working your nine to five. And as soon as, when we attract all these candidates and discuss this opportunity in real estate sales, they don't want to follow through with it because they don't want to take a, a salary cut. They don't want to do the, the long hours of work and then they end up taking something in administration. The chances of them going in, I don't know if you've found this as well, Rob, with people that you've spoken to from different industries. Again, the perception when they apply to the reality of what it is is so different and they just won't take the, the pay cut. That's what I find. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Look, the average, I think I read uh, that the average real estate agent in Australia earns $53,000 a year. So if you're someone 35 40 45 on 90 or 100 grand a yeah. year you know working a job and you decide to get into real estate unless you've got some money behind you or um a, a partner you know a husband or a wife or whatever that that is also earning an income to help pay the mortgage 
I think it's hard to get back into real estate because mm. it takes time. It you, takes a few yeah, years to really start making anything yeah, definitely. significant. Yeah, definitely. I know agents in our marketplace that have been doing it for 10 years, not earning any money. So the, the reality is, is that the top 1% make money, the top 5% can make any, uh, an income, but the rest, you know, it's, 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 a, hard, it's a hard industry. And how do you make the top 5%? I read very early on in my career that there are no secrets to success. You've just got to work harder, work smarter, and want it more than the competitor. And I think if you do those three things, you'll definitely be successful. So I know at Philip Webb, you know, we talk with our team, it's, it's all about working hard, working smart, and wanting it. You know, having that drive, finding out what your why is, um, constantly learning and evolving. Um, you know, COVID has changed so much. How did you guys go through COVID? For me, because I like the social side of the job, I, I like um, talking to my work colleagues and that. I found it very lonely being at home. Um, I found it for four months we were at home. I found that lonely. But, you know, if you had have asked me 12 months ago, would I be doing appraisals from my study with a client walking around FaceTiming me? I would have mm. said no. Yeah. But, you know, that's how we did it. So we sold uh, a few properties to, I remember one property we had in Doncaster East. Um, I said to the buyer, can you ring the vendor at 11.05, FaceTime it, she's gonna walk you through the property. So the vendor walked her through the property, then the buyer then rang me back, I negotiated the sale, we had digital contracts on the iPad, sent it out, signed it. I, I appraised the property without mm -hmm. meeting the vendor. I had never met the buyer, we put it online um, using photo, and yeah, it was just technology. And mm -hmm. I'm not good, I'm not tech savvy. You know, my work colleagues will always kind of laugh at me because I'm not tech savvy at all, but you know, we had to evolve the technology with yeah. digital contracts mm. and everything else like that. Absolutely, absolutely. What was that, Pete? Rob, you, you talk about COVID and, and we sort of thankfully can see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and we might actually have a world where it actually might get a little bit more normal and not have to do anything virtually. What do you see in the next 12 months real estate looking like? Do you see major change happening? Well, what, what, is, what is your sort of prediction of what the next 12 months holds for us in Australia? I can see the next 12 months being quite a buoyant market. I think if you're an agent working in this market, this is a really good time to set yourself up and work hard. Um, the last three years have been really difficult as a real estate agent. 2018, we had the federal election, the market kind of pulled right back. Um, 2019, we had the banking commission, so the market pulled right back. 2020, we had a little thing called COVID. Um, and now the market has really gone buoyant. So I've said to all my team, guys, this is the time where you set yourself up. This is the time where um, you can really make up for lost time in the last three years. So I see the next 12 months being really buoyant for, for especially the Melbourne property market. And I see the good agents really setting themselves up. How are you finding stock levels at the moment? Yeah, so at the moment, like for instance, one of my core areas is Doncaster East. There's 157 properties on the market today in Doncaster East. Usually there's around 220 um, because of the lack of quality homes on the market and the fact that you can get two years interest rates at say 1.85, that's what's pushing up the market. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to the market if it loosen, if, if more stock comes on. Yep. Um, but yeah, at the moment, selling them is not the issue, it, it's, it's getting them on. So, and a lot, for instance, I've got a client that says, Rob, I'll come on the market once I buy, but I've missed out on the last seven auctions. Okay. So we've got a lot of people scared to put their home on the market mm. until they buy, mm. so it becomes a yep. cycle. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Rob, there's um, a, a segment in our show. Jason calls it Hammer Time. Hammer Time. But it's called Under the Hammer. So we're going to shoot some 
I've got to say this really slowly, Rex. If I say it too fast, fire. it can come out really strange. Yeah. Quick fire questions. So we're going to shoot some quick fire questions at you. They're mm -hmm. usually scenario questions, yeah. just to get to know a little bit more about no, you. No Rexy, problem. do you want to start? I always start with what motivates you. Um, at the moment, what motivates me is seeing others succeed. I'm really enjoying seeing some of the guys in my office really flourish. Um, and I like to think I'm maybe having a small part of that by you know getting Sounds around like you're him. A big part. Yeah, and I, I just enjoy it. Like last week, we went a listing in Bulleen um, with a, with a gentleman that I work with, and seeing how happy he was that we went in there and he fought, we fought hard and we got it. And I showed him a few little things that I do, and you know seeing how happy he was. Like at the moment, that's really motivating me. Mm. At the moment, seeing others succeed. I don't know. I just I'm I like enjoying that. that at the Rob. moment. Yeah. Pete. Rob, what is one thing that you couldn't live without? Um, besides my family, I couldn't live without coffee. Um, here, you, here. you don't want to know me unless I've had my morning coffee. So one thing I can't live without is coffee. And my wife, um, uh, in December bought a really good uh, coffee machine and she's a world-class barista. So yeah, coffee in the morning. And can't a vet live without. Too, isn't she? Sorry? And a vet. Yeah, she's a vet nurse. She's yeah. a vet nurse, yeah. but she's become a world-class barista with this machine. So, Ranchilio coffee machines. I can't recommend them enough. So, they're oh, good. Go. Yeah. Similar to you, Rex, but you need, yours is an espresso martini, not it just is. a coffee. It is. I'm a great espresso martini. Gets him right up. All right, Rob, if you weren't selling houses, what would you be doing? I'm, I'm a bit of a car enthusiast, so... Um, not a, a car salesman, come on. No, nah. I'd, probably, I'd probably like to be doing something with maybe uh, car detailing products. I, I like to wash my car. I like, you know. You're I'm, a born entrepreneur. You I cannot know. be detailing cars. No, I want to be I'm, like I'm Gary Vee. You need to be like this, no, you know, I'm a simple entrepreneur. Boy. I'm a no? simple boy. So, you know, I, I honestly, for years, I dreamt of working in a car wash. No. <laughs> I'm a simple Big man. aspirations. So, yeah, if I wasn't, honestly, if I wasn't selling real estate, if I could somehow earn a living um, cleaning cars or talking to people about car cleaning products, that's probably what I'd car do. Car washers make good money. I know. Yeah. I just, I, I'm, a, you know, you know, at, at, at night when uh, when everyone's asleep, I'm on YouTube watching reviews on on Turtle Wax or Maguire's products. I'm, yeah, I'm a closet car cleaning nerd. So there's a little <laughs> bit of something worst, about worst me. things you could be in yeah. the closet about the cars. It's very weird, but sure. Rexy, another question. Uh, keep the cars. Ford or Holden. Oh, well, I've got a uh, Concourse restored BNSS, so nice. I'd have to say Holden, but I've had a lot of Fords in the past, so yeah, Holden at the moment. You converted. Yeah. <laughs> Pete? You get to come back as an animal in your ne next life. What animal would you choose? <laughs> Jeez, oh, probably a dog. Um, I, I see the love and attention that my dog gets at home. Oh, um, so he, he's above me in the pecking order at home. So if I could come back as an animal, it'd be a dog and a cavoodle. So they don't shed hair. So yeah, yeah. I'd come back as a cavoodle. You should nice. have heard what one of our previous guests was talking about with her dog. I got the gist of that. We'll yeah. <laughs> some footage of it, won't we, Sheb? We're going to cuff to some footage of that right oh. now. <laughs> no, we won't. It would, we would get axed. <laughs> um, you can have dinner with one person, living or dead. Who would it be? Oh, look, there's so many people that I'd love to have dinner with. But at the moment, um, Jordan Peterson, I'm really enjoying a lot of his videos and yeah. YouTube and stuff like I'm that. So, to him. Um, I could I, I don't know if it's his voice or what it is, but I could listen to him for hours. Yeah. Um, so maybe Jordan Peterson and, and kind of pick his brain a little Can bit. Can I fire one back? Tony Robertson or Jordan Peterson? Jordan Peterson. 
That's and I've done answer. Tony Robbins. I love Tony Robbins. I love Did yeah. I say Tony Robinson? Tony Robbins. I, yeah. I, I, I think I get, at the moment, I'm getting a little, a little bit more out of Jordan, but I've, I've done the course. I've, I've firewalked. I've done all that. So. Oh, you yeah, did a firewalk. Yeah, yeah. How was it? Yeah, it was good. It was good. I was young. We did it up in Sydney. and As I, part of the Philip Webb brand? No, or? no, no. I, I did it on my own. So I did it with one of the guys I work with. And, um, you know, we were there till like one in the morning. Wow. It's full on. Yeah. So, but I yeah, want to marry Tony Robbins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's tall. For you, but, uh, I mean, that's all right. Yeah, yeah. he's tall. There we go. It would, be, it would be great. Um, okay, that's enough quick fire questions, I think, Rex. That is enough quick fire questions. Pete, did you have a question? I've got one more. What is the strangest, oddest food that you've eaten, Rob? Oh, that's strange. <laughs> um, and odd. Yeah, I, I, I can't really think. I think I've, I've had Carlax? crocodile before. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've had crocodile before, so I tried that. So... Um, that was many years ago, so that's probably the strangest thing. But I, uh, yeah, I'm not that adventurous when it comes to food. Um, but uh, but yeah, crocodile, I think crocodile meat. Crocodile. So. Cool. Rob, in the last, you know, sixteen was it sixteen years in real estate? Yeah. Sixteen years in real estate. What's been the biggest struggle for you? It's been one of the hardest moments in that career where you really thought you'd hit rock bottom. And yeah. how did you come out of it? If I can be perfectly upfront, and a lot of people don't like to talk about it, it's it's probably been mental health. Mm. Um, in my late 20s, um, I remember walking into the office. I was probably 27, 28. I walked into the office and my sales manager at the time, he said, oh, Rob, how are you? And I broke down in tears. Mm. I was just, I was so stressed. I was, I had so many things going through my head. And um, Phil pulled me aside and um, he said, tomorrow morning at 8.30, there's a car going to pick you up and we're, we're, we're flying you up to Golden Door. So I did a week at a health retreat and we did a lot of meditation. And, and he organised that. He organised wow. it for me. And then when I came back to Melbourne, um, I started um, I started meeting, catching up with someone and, and just talking about um, the things that were going through in my head. But I think mental health for me in my late 20s has probably been my biggest struggle in, in, in real estate. So um, I've probably been my biggest enemy. I, I'm really hard on myself. I, I, uh, I'm very process driven and uh, so yeah, I think in my late 20s, um, mental health is probably my biggest struggle. So, and how do you stay on top of that now? Well, I, I always tell people my wife saved my life. Um, so mm. I met her when I was 28 and um, she is very relaxed and chilled. <laughs> and uh, so uh, that kind of brought me down. And, and you know, I've got a three-year-old son that just gives me so much joy. Mm. And uh, so at the moment, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in a really good place. I've got a, a wonderful and beautiful family. I've got a job that I love. Um, I've got great family, great friends around me. So that keeps me kind of up and about. And uh, whenever I'm having a bad day, I only have to walk, you know, get home and see my son standing at the window. And mm. what is he? he goes, oh, I want to show you something, Dad. I want to show you something. And <laughs> we wrestle and yeah. Is he into cars now too? Loves cars. Is he helping loves cars wash the cars? Animals. Oh. Yeah, so he loves washing cars, yeah. loves going to car shows with me. So Thank you for yeah. sharing that, Rob. I yeah. think it's um, it's really important, not just talking about mental health, but men's mental health, because yeah. it's something that I think, you know, Australia is starting to talk a lot about. But for men, it's it's much more difficult to speak up and to, to own it, particularly in an industry that's very much ego driven. Um, and I think a lot of, and I, I hate to bring this up, but it's something that really needs to be addressed. The industry, it's, it's, it's high pressure. It's, it's extremely demanding, both physically and menti mentally. And at times it's difficult to deal. And I see a lot of 
what could have been brilliant directors go down really dark paths with their mental health and not having the right people surrounded by the right people and not having the confidence to speak out. And I think, unfortunately, this is where drugs plays a big part in this industry that unfortunately can tarnish it in a lot of ways. So what advice would you give to potentially other directors who might not have the network around them like you did when you were going through a tough time? What can they do and, and, and who should they speak to? Well, you know, I'm very fortunate that I, um, I've got really good people around me. So, but if, if I was a director and I didn't have that network, um, I, I'd go see your GP, um, get a mental health check. Um, I would reach out to people that you would like to be mentored by, mm. um, other people that you admire in the industry. Mm. Um, it's not weak to speak. Go mm. speak to people. I like that. Um, it's not weak and, to speak. Uh, and, 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 and try to get that network around you. Because mm. until you get it off your chest, um, and you know, in my 20s, I was just always very anxious and stressed and wanted to be better. And just until someone said, Rob, just do you, just do mm. just little things and tweaked, and I, I feel so much better for it. Um, so if I was a director in that position, I'd just reach out to people that I admire um, and get the help. So it's, it's definitely- It could be like, anyone, it doesn't have anyone. to be a director. Nah. Mm. From so, recruits onwards. Um, it's, it's funny because I look at social media, Facebook and Instagram, mm. and it's so easy to compare yourself. Isn't it? Yeah. You look, oh, this person's got the perfect life. This person's got that. You know, I saw, I know someone that, uh, that posts all these photos um, and, uh, and you would think their, their life is amazing, but they're not, they're not happy. So don't compare, it's very easy. That's my biggest thing. I, uh, I've got a client of mine whose daughter is uh, anorexic and um, she reckons it's because of social media. Oh, and um, you know, that's, I, I talk about this with my wife. I said, how lucky were we when we grew up that we didn't have Instagram mm. and Facebook? Mm. Um, it's really interesting, Rob. I was having this conversation with my mum over the weekend and um, we were talking about sort of growing up, you know, as, as, as young teenagers, you go through this really dorky time. Yeah. Rex is when you wore your blue eye contacts. Yeah, and blonde hair. And yeah. blonde hair. Um, but I remember I went through this time and I had braces, I had, you know, freckles everywhere mm. and I just had this horrible haircut, like a bowl was cut on my head. That was horrible. You were from Geelong though. So. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey. Um, and I just remember I, I got this, it's, it sounds so ridiculous, but I got this mm. haircut, I was absolutely hideous and I had this long, beautiful hair and I was just so upset about it and I was crying and, you know, it really tore me up as a 13 year old girl that this haircut had affected me so yeah. much. I was saying to my mum, I couldn't imagine if I was going through this and then I had social media amplifying it, seeing every other 13-year-old my age, comparing myself, mm. I'm not skinny, I'm not pretty like her, when we're not mature enough to know that these images are perfectly curated images, they're mm. not real life. No, definitely. And, and my mum said something to me that really stuck with me and she said that, you know, there's so many unhappy children and, and people in the world because of comparison and it's the really small things like, you know, my mum said that when she was young, you know, say they would have a night out. It was a whole experience. It was this joy of going to the shops and finding an outfit and then, you know, um, having friends come over and getting ready and then going out and having this big night and this excitement. Whereas now with, you know, the, the, the beauty of the internet is that we've got options, but also the most stressful thing about the internet is one button, you open up to this whole world. And you're not just in your own bubble where you're exposed to small parts of your life. You're exposed to this whole universe and there's yeah. so much to compare. And, you know, it's so stressful now. And particularly with young agents as well, they're, they're going on social media. They see the next agent listing more yeah. and this agent's doing this and this agent's doing that. And no one knows who they are because they're so busy comparing. 
Do you see that with young agents and young people? Definitely. If I can make a suggestion, especially a lot of the younger agents coming through that are pushing social media hard, please don't post a photo in front of your BMW. Please yeah. don't post a photo. No one cares. <laughs> no, no one cares. So um, just be real. It's not about you. Yeah. It's about the client. Yeah. Um, so we, we don't want to see the flashy stuff. No one cares about that. You know, in fact, real estate agents already have a bad enough name yeah. in terms of that stuff. You, you don't need to amplify it by, you know, putting it on your social media. But you only have to go out and see people taking photos of their food. You know, I was watching, I was reading a study that, um, you know, at concerts you see everyone filming yeah. the concert. Yeah. No one's enjoying it. No, well, they actually reckon that you enjoy it more and you remember it better if you put your phone away and actually just be present. No doubt. So There was this meme and it was like the 60s, they were concert and all yeah. doing this. And then it was like the 70s and they're all doing this. And it was the 80s and they're all doing this. And it was like the tw 20, you know, 2000s, 2000, whatever yeah. it is. And they've all just got their phone. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. And I, you look at it and you're like, this is so sad. I went out for dinner um, two weeks ago and um, my wife and I and, and Felix, my little boy, and the table next to us, there was two adults, two kids. All of them were on their phone. Oh, it's mm. horrible. I've all of them. Away. Pete, do you have a question? Rob, um, what comes to mind when you talk um, through this session today is that you have a really balanced life. You know, you have a wife, uh, a son, and you have a successful career. How do you balance all that? Like, there's a lot of young guys that are, you know, in, in a new relationship, maybe wanting to have kids. How have you successfully have, have it all, you know? Because um, that, that's something when you're driving for high performance can be challenging to balance personal and work. Well, um, look, I personally think that when I was working six days, I was miserable and started hating my job because I was just exhausted all the time. I've now worked five days. I make Fridays all about my son. So if a client rings me and goes, we're selling, come see me Friday. It's like, no, I can't. It's, it's, you can see me another day. So I think having balance, you need to work on it. I spent my whole 20s trying to build my business. And now I think I'm, a, I'm fortunate in the sense where I can work five days. Um, I think you need to prioritize it because you end up hating your job. Like now, um, today's a, 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 um, a Sunday. Tomorrow's Monday. I'm not dreading going to work. Mm. I'm actually really excited because I, I, I try to have that, that break. I, I, you know, I try to make um, Tuesdays the day that I come home early and have dinner with the family because I know Wednesdays and Thursday nights I get home late. So. Mm. I don't know, you just try to make it work, you plan for it. There's you, a big exodus yeah. from the industry right now though, Rob. I've seen it from, from, from mm. my end, from the recruitment end, is that there, there is such a huge desire to leave the real estate industry. Yeah. And a lot of it has been that agents throughout COVID had the time to spend at home with yeah. their families. And now going back to an industry that is so demanding, mm. they're struggling and there's more than ever agents approaching us wanting to leave the industry. Mm. Do you think it's cause or it's time for the industry to really shift and, and change how it promotes work-life balance in real estate? Or do you think it should stay the same? I just think agents should get more organized. Um, I think agents, you know, it, it, it's not about the, 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 the time that you spend at the office. It's the, it's, it's the work that you do in that time. So when I'm at the office, I'm there, you know, I'm working, I'm not fluffing around, I'm not. So you don't need to be staying back. You don't need to work seven days a week. Mm. It's just, you know, work hard, work smart. And so I've got a Everyone knows yeah. I've got a daughter, and I have specific two days a week. 100%. Half day, I'm with her. 
I've never no matter had a what, client say to me or anything. And if I've got feeling that work, I'll do it afterwards, yeah. after she goes to bed or whatever the case may be. Mate, they're only young ones. Yeah, right? and you're going to miss out. And it's 100%. the most important thing. So I, I, I was in the car um, on Friday and I had Felix in the car and a client rang me and Felix started singing. The client laughed. <laughs> you know, they, they know. It's, yeah. It's, it, it's you, life. It's human. I you think post-COVID as well, it's, it's brought to the industry, it's brought life. People relate to real people and real scenarios. And we were all introduced to Zooming from each other's lounge rooms where there was a dog barking or a baby crying or a wife coming out and yelling or what was that guy with the boxer shorts and the child came in. And it's real life. And I think that sales is now changing from this transactional or formal relationship to genuinely liking the person that you're you're working with. No, I agree. Um, speaking of genuinely liking people that I work with, unlike you, Rex, I do like Pete. <laughs> and there's a special time, Pete. What happens during this time? What what, what do we say? He transitions from. I don't you want to use caterpillar to butterfly. I feel it's like a it's good been transition. Done. It's when the bees come together and make honey. This is when Pete make comes honey, to Pete. life. Make honey, Pete. Make honey, Pete. Pollinate us, Pete. Chanel, you're making this sound like an, a Mardi Gras section of our show. <laughs> Butterflies, the whole bit. It's actually Pete's cheat sheet that I'm going to do, everyone. It's called Pete's cheat sheet. So anyway, this week's Pete's cheat sheet is all about communication. I think in today's session, we've spoken a lot about how communication can help in your career, your personal life, and we're actually going to have a checklist that's going to help you all about communication. Back to you, Chanel. Thanks so much, Pete. Rob, I felt like this episode has flown, and honestly, I could talk to you for hours. You've got a really realistic and genuine approach to the industry, and I think from the start of the segment right till the end, we can see that you are genuine you really love the industry no, and you. you've really brought something i think you're what the industry should be like grounded yeah, and you give back successful. so much to the yes. industry. yeah i try yeah. correct it's been an absolute pleasure yeah, having you, you on the show Rob. pleasure to be here and thank if anyone you, um i know you've got a wide audience and mm-hmm. if any other agents want to reach out they can email me or call me um, just ask Rex for the details and I'm happy to... No, Rob, they call me because that's how I make money. Okay. <laughs> make money. They call me. No, I'm kidding, guys. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. See you Thanks, next week, guys. Thanks for